This is the Out of Water Podcast. Out of Water is a production of Rio Vista Community Church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. We hope you'll subscribe and give us a good rating to help others find Out of Water. This time on Out of Water, we're bringing you excerpts from a message by Pastor Sam Kastensmith in his series, The Miracle Behind the Miracles. In this episode, Sam concludes our series. In two separate stories, we find Jesus facing urgent cries to rescue loved ones from death. But in both instances, Jesus is delayed, leading to two tragic deaths. Both stories are shocking. Both stories find people in terrible grief and crushing disappointment that the healer arrived too late. But as we will see in these stories, Jesus is never late, and his plans are far greater than our own. Let's go to the Ingram Center Theater at Rio Vista Community Church and Pastor Sam Kastensmith. Miracles are a promise of what's to come. They affirm our hope that God is going to ultimately heal and raise and redeem everything in his people. So there's no prayer request, no no begging for healing, no longing to be with loved ones in Christ that God will ultimately not perform for you on that day. Think about that. What's that day going to look like when, when he makes all things new? When he gives you sight with capacities that you can't yet imagine? When he gives you hearing and abilities that are not clouded by the fall? Tensions and pains that we don't even realize we carry, gone. And just to be an infinite presence of his love. And so that's something that's really exciting. And all of that is made possible by the miracle of the resurrection. And so today we're going to focus on resurrection miracles, starting with Jairus' daughter. Um, It says, now when Jesus returned, he's coming from having cast demons into the pigs. He's come back from that, from Gentile territory. It says, now when Jesus returned from doing that miracle, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting on him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was the ruler of the synagogue. Now, if you know about this synagogue, Jesus had already performed a miracle where he had, and kind of a showdown with the religious leaders inside the synagogue, this man had an arthritic hand, a withered hand, And so he comes up to Jesus looking to be healed. And every time Jesus ever did a healing on the Sabbath, they went berserk, angry that he would dare to do that on the Sabbath. And so Jesus looks at them and says, all right, is it lawful for me to do good or evil on the Sabbath? They don't answer him because they don't want to get trapped. And so he heals the man. And it says, and at that moment, they began plotting how to kill him. And so he's going back to this place. And Jairus, who's an official in that synagogue, comes and he falls at Jesus' feet. And he implores him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. And as Jesus went, people pressed around him. And I want you to stop. You remember, what's the posture of the woman, the Shunammite, when she gets to Elisha? What does she do? She 
falls and just grabs his ankles. Desperate, she doesn't know what else to do. All she can do is fall on her face, grab hold of him, and plead for mercy. And here's Jairus at great cost to himself. Everybody's looking around and judging. And even though he's an official in the synagogue, his daughter's sick. And so, damn all the opinions. And he comes to Jesus, who he knows has the power, falls at his feet and implores him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12, and she was dying. And so Jesus went, and everyone's pressing around him. And there's a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. So this is menstruation issues, uterine bleeding. And though she had spent all of her living on physicians, and Mark tells us that the physicians actually imposed great suffering on her, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him, and she touched the fringe of his garment. And here's another one of those things where in the ancient world, when, when a woman was in the midst of menstruation, you were unclean for a period of seven days. You had to separate. You couldn't have any contact with anyone, or you made them unclean. She's an outcast. She's totally lonely. And in all of her boldness, just like Jairus is thinking, damn the torpedoes, I'm getting to him no matter what everyone else thinks. And if she's touching the fringe of his garment, where is she? She's at his feet. What else do you do when you're desperate? You fall at his feet and you grab hold and you just plead that he would be merciful. But listen to his response. Remember, this 12-year-old girl is dying. He's on a mission. He's got to get to her, right? She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? Do you think he knew? He knew. Why does he ask the question? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you. They're pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive, and hear this, power has gone out from me. That's not the way it's supposed to work. When an unclean person touches you, it's the uncleanness that comes upon you. And Jesus says, He doesn't say, Wait a minute, I feel filthy. He says, I perceive that power has gone out of me. Everybody else, like I can't impute goodness and health to anybody. All I can do is like, I can impute nastiness (laughs) probably. But Jesus has the power to overcome. His power heals. He's not defiled by this. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling. Why? Like, what has she risked? Here's a holy man, massive crowds around him. Everybody's looking to him, hoping that, you know, he'll do something for them. And here's this unclean woman who has risked making this holy man defiled. And when he says, who touched me? A terrifying thing. So she comes trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she touched him. And now that she'd been healed, and he said to her, Daughter, you haven't had contact with another human being for 12 years. You've been an outcast. Nobody has embraced you. You've been totally alone. 
You're coming to me trembling because you're afraid of what my response is going to be. And the first expression, daughter. Imagine how those words hit her heart. Son, daughter. That's who we are, right? We cry, Abba. You've got this intimate, loving father who knows everything about you, who sees you as his delight, as his treasure, his great possession, as you. That's what the scripture says about you, that he sings over you and rejoices over you. Son, daughter, your faith has made you well. Do you believe that? That's your promise too, by the way. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Can you go in peace? Can you take hold of the promises that you know are yours already, thanks to the resurrection, thanks to the work of Christ? Finished work, you can't add to it, can't take away from it. They are yours. That is your inheritance right now, sealed, delivered, already guaranteed. Your faith has saved you. Therefore, go in peace. What's in front of you that that hasn't overcome? Luke 8, 49 to 51, it says, While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep. There it is again. For she is not dead, but sleeping. Where else do you hear, do not weep? You hear it with with Jesus at Nain, do not weep. Here you hear it again with Jairus' daughter, do not weep. For she's not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. Where, Where do you first hear that laughter? Isaac, what's God's promise? You think life is impossible. I'm telling you, you are going to have a son. You don't understand. Life is impossible here. And they have a child and name him Isaac, which means laughter. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, there it is again. Child, rise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once, and he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents, and no doubt everybody there, Totally amazed. So then we get to the big one, the resurrection of Lazarus. And I love this. In each one of these, you just see the tenderness of who our God is. Try to be in this story. It says, now a certain man was ill. This is Lazarus of Bethany and the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. And so the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And this is a gut-check moment for those who walk as Christians. What is Jesus saying here? This will not end in death. Does it end in death? No. Is death a part of it? Are tears a part of it? 
Is weeping a part of it? And yet, what does he say here? This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Is that good enough for you? Can you take those tears, what you can't explain, and offer it up to the Lord and say, your word promises me that you are going to use this for your glory. That's enough. I'm at peace. That's a big, tall order. I want you to hear this first because it's totally, totally counterintuitive. Verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Okay? So, therefore, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Say what? No way. What do you mean you love Mary and Martha and Lazarus, Lazarus is on the verge of death, and it's because you loved us that you stayed there two days longer rather than coming and and healing him and preventing death? No, God, you don't know what you're doing. Get here now. That's a weird, isn't that a weird verse? It is because God loved them so mightily that he waits. Why? Let's read on. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated at the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know, I know that he's going he's gonna to rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God, who's coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher's here, and he's calling for you. And when she heard it, She rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in a place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to be in the tomb, go to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. There it is again. Saying to him, Lord... If you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews had come with her were also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And I love this because the English doesn't bring it out, but that greatly troubled, the other places it's translated, it's like stirring up a riot. He is furious. He has righteous indignation, anger, troubled in his spirit. He's looking at those he loves. And here's the deal. What we want to say is that when Jesus waits an extra two days, we think, man, that's callous. How could you let them go through that? When he gets there and you see this, what you find is that even though Jesus knows what's coming, even though Jesus has ordained every bit of it, 
and knows it will ultimately work out for the glory of God and for the good of those he loves, when he sees them devastated, he's consumed right with them. Do you believe, for those of you that that have things that don't go your way, that you're struggling and you're crying out to God and you're asking why, do you really believe that God enters into your pain with you? Do you believe that he has the kind of character that weeps with his people? Do you believe the promise of Romans 8 where it says that when you're so consumed with emotion and grief that you don't even know how to pray, that the Spirit groans with a power too deep for words on your behalf. God's not distant. He's not disengaged here. He is greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid them? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. You know, what I, what I love about this is God doesn't come with cookie-cutter responses either. When he comes to Martha, who's devastated, he gives a lecture. And that's what she needed. When it's Mary, he gives her tears because that's what she needed. And the Jews are looking at this man who's deeply troubled, whose reputation precedes him. And they're like, look at how he loved him. And Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. All this riot of emotions inside. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone Martha the, Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for it's, he's been dead for four days. And that's when they believe the spirit is now gone from the body. There's, it's gone. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed that you would see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said on on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with cloth. And Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priest and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. What if Jesus had rushed to bring about the instant miracle? What if? One of the things that we read right past in this Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. What does that mean for them? Now there will be people, when you get to glory in heaven, there will be people there because Jesus waited two days. This miracle is for his glory. And here's the deal. Mary and Martha see that. Do you think Mary and Martha... (laughs) When they see the Lord of glory raise their brother from the dead, we wish you'd have gotten here a little earlier. This is a hard pill to swallow. But for people of faith, this is the promise. God is working all things 
together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And he's working all things together for his glory. Period. You know what that means, by the way? It's not always pleasant. When you're talking about Romans 8.28, you know what the ultimate good for you is? It's not for all of your dreams to come true and for you to have lollipops and candy. The greatest good that Jesus could do in you and through you is to conform you more into his image. How does that happen? Suffering. But here's the deal. Baked in every every equation of the gospel and all over the scriptures, you always find this. What always comes after suffering for the believer? Always. Glory. Always. Mary of Bethany, I absolutely love her. She's constantly at the feet of Jesus. He introduces her and says, she's the one who wiped his feet with her hair. She's the one who, when Lazarus is dead rushes to Jesus, falls at his feet and cries out. She's the one who will anoint him for burial and be at his feet again. And there's something in us that we we have this resurrection power, but when we're longing, when we're crying out for God to move, what I want you to get out of this, where's the best place for you to be? At his feet. That's when he moves. And when things don't go our way, it's human nature. It's totally understandable for us to raise a fist, to shut a door, to walk away. Grab hold of his feet. Be like Jacob who says, I'm not letting go of you until I get a blessing. And know that his love for you is not one that keeps you at arm's length and says, okay, fine, I'll do it. When you're walking through all this turmoil of spirit, when you come to those seasons... Know that you're talking to a God who's given up far more for you. Who feels and senses your emotions far more than you do. What has he withheld from you? What has he held back? You can trust him. You might be walking through that moment where everything around you is nothing but tombs. And it seems like death is winning and everything's withering away. Grab hold of his feet and you will see the power of God and his spirit bringing about resurrections in ways that you can't anticipate. And will ultimately produce a weight of glory for you that one day you'll inherit and walk in forever and ever and ever and ever and ever because of his resurrection. That's your inheritance. Thanks, Sam. And thank you, friends, for listening to our podcast. If you liked what you heard, please give us a good rating. That will help others find the podcast also. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and you will both subscribe to the podcast and listen regularly. You can find out more about Out of Water, catch up on past episodes, and access show notes at our website, riovistachurch.com slash outofwater.